The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. You have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to or, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 and James chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 6, we're going to start there and then we'll move to James chapter 4. We'll kind of go back and forth to James chapter 4 throughout the day. We're in a series right now called I Got Issues, You Got Them Too. And you know if you've been here for this series, this is that part of the service where you turn to the person beside you and you tell them, I got it. So go ahead, go do it. Turn to the person beside you and say, I got issues. Joe, that's half-hearted, okay? Joe Swanson, I want to see your heart in this, all right? I got, tell her, Ashley, tell Ashley, because she knows it already. Say, I got issues. Okay, now turn to the person who doesn't exist beside you and tell them that you got them too. And some of you don't have anybody beside you, so I don't know what you're supposed to do there, but hey. But this series is about the issues of life, and we all have issues. We're all dealing with stuff. We haven't arrived. Just because you get saved doesn't mean everything in your life becomes perfect right away. Your spirit is made alive in Jesus Christ, but we still got some issues we got to work through. And this series is about, instead of kind of doing what the world likes to do, which is just embrace our issues and coddle our issues and kind of allow our identity to be driven by our issues. It's about going to God with our issues and allowing him to speak into our issues so that we can move past our issues and become who it is God's called us to be. So we started this series talking about the really big main issue Jesus came to fix, which was a relationship issue. Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins, but really the reason he did that is because he wanted to connect with you. He wanted to know you. He wanted to have a relationship with you so he could walk with you. He didn't die so you could have a religion. He died so that you could have a relationship with him. Uh, the second week of the series, we talked about anger. The anger is an issue that we all deal with, whether it's an issue where we blow up on people or we kind of pack it away. It's something that we need to deal with because it hurts us and it hurts other people. Last week we talked about comparison and how we by nature tend to, tend to draw these comparisons. And when we compare, it's not fair. And so we have to learn to deal with the comparison issues of our life. If you've missed any one of these messages, I want to encourage you to go back to the podcast, uh, listen to that. You can go to newsongpeople.com slash media or on iTunes. You can listen to our podcast. Go back and catch up with us. Today we're going to talk about an issue that God hates. It's something that God hates. Now, maybe you're sitting there right now and you're going, wait, Josh, wait a minute. Just, just hold your horses here, dude, because God loves, right? That's like God is. God's a love person. He's all about love. And, and you know, isn't that who God is? And, and you know what? You're right. First John 4, 8 tells us uh, that God is love. It doesn't say that God loves. It says he is love. His identity is love. It's who he is. It's not just something he does. It's actually who God is. So God is love. So maybe you're wondering, how can a God who is love hate something? Well, the reality is this. To love anything means that you're going to have other things in life that you hate. Uh, let me explain. If you love food, right? Maybe you love a good burger. You love a good pizza pie. You love some good lasagna. Anybody love food in here? You like to eat some food, right? Like some good food. The rest of you are liars because everybody loves food. If you love food, here's the thing. You're going to hate going on a diet. Amen? Because diet, you don't get to eat anything fun and good, and that's not fun. We don't like that, okay? If you love a particular sports team, you love the Dallas Cowboys or OU or OSU or whoever it is, the Thunder, whoever, if you love them, you're going to hate it when they lose. Anybody else like me? You lose sleep over this stuff, right? Um, if you love justice, then you're going to hate injustice. You're going to hate seeing evil in the world. 
If you love your children, if you love your, your spouse, you're going to hate anything that causes them to be violated or hurt or, or mistreated. You see what I'm saying? To really love something means that you're going to hate some things. Now, here's, what, here's how this relates to God, okay? You have to understand this. If you're taking notes, write this down this morning. God's love is driven, or God's, God's hate is driven by his love. You get that right there. I think we have that. Maybe not. God's hate is driven by his love. The things God hates, he hates because of the things he loves. And one of the things he loves is you, just so you know. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his very best to this world because he so loved you. And because he so loved you, he hated sin and he hated how sin separated man from him. So the thing God loves, uh, he, he, he loves. And the things he hates, he hates because of the things he loves. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 16, it says, these six things the Lord hates. Okay, so there it is. God hates some stuff. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Now look at this, first thing on the list, verse 17. Everybody say this with me, a proud look. Say it again, a proud look. This morning we're gonna talk about pride, the issue of pride in our life and how to deal with pride. And if you're taking notes, here's my first point this morning. God hates pride. God hates pride. Now, before you start to disconnect from this message, maybe you start thinking right now, well, I don't have a problem with pride, so this is great. Well, let me just tell you, that thought right there means you have a problem with pride. <laughs> and one of the big problems with pride is, is that pride is blinding. And we'll talk more about that in the message. But when you're walking, here's the thing with pride. When you're walking in pride, the fact that you're walking in pride <laughs> blinds you to the fact that you have pride. So it's, it's kind of a deceptive thing. And it's hard for us to recognize it sometimes, but it is something that God really hates. He doesn't like it, and it, it, it does a lot of damage to our life. Now, just like in this series, uh, we've, had, we've talked about all these different issues, and there's a good version of, of most of the issues we're talking about, and there's a bad version. In the same way, there's actually good pride, and there is bad pride. Let me, let me show you the difference between the two. Good pride is seen as healthy self-respect. Uh, good pride is dignity. It's satisfaction in a job well done. It's joy in seeing others succeed. For example, um, being proud of your kids, that's, that's okay. Being proud of, 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 a, of a job well done. Me being proud of what's going on at New Song, what we're seeing take place at New Song. Me, us looking back at what happened at the party in the park that we had about a month ago and seeing the results of that and what God's done through that, through that, that event. We can be proud of that. We can reflect on our team and all the hard work that went into that. Um, having pride in the way that you look now, when I say that, not proud that like, dude, I'm really good looking and you're not. Like, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pride that says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress nice. I'm going to present myself in a way that honors God and honors the creation that he's made in me. I'm going to be dignified. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to comb my hair. I'm going to brush my teeth. Amen. Amen. Any of you feeling that during the meet and greet this morning? <laughs> that guy needs to brush his teeth. It's nice to meet you. Whoa. This, that, that's okay, but there is a bad pride. There's a bad pride. Bad pride looks like this. It's conceited. It's egotistical. Uh, by, bad pride manifests itself in arrogance and boasting. Bad pride doesn't need others. Uh, bad pride um, is actually, here's what's interesting, it's actually rooted in insecurity. And we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. But what it does is it, it, it drives you away from relationship. 
Bad pride says, I can do this on my own. I don't need people. I don't need God. I, I got this. Listen, you don't. Okay, turn the person beside you and say, you don't got, you don't got this. So, so, okay, so maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're going, okay, this pride thing, it's, it's a big deal. God hates it. Uh, I don't want to be walking in it, so how do I know if I'm walking in it? How can I recognize it in my life? Well, I'm going to ask you some questions this morning, and hopefully maybe one of these will kind of touch a nerve in your life. This, this isn't to say that these questions cover everything to do with pride, but here's just some questions to kind of throw at you, okay? Do you talk a lot? Do you talk a lot? I, there, there's, there's different ways that people talk and think, okay? The Bible talks about thinking before you talk. I try to do that. But I'm, I'm, I don't always do it, right? Anybody else relate to me? Like you want to think before you talk? But I tend to be the person that, that does the second thing. I think while I talk. And that can be dangerous. Like I'm saying things and as I'm saying things, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm thinking about them. In fact, it's actually one of the ways that I process. Like the message you're hearing today, how I write it, part of how I write it is I begin to talk. I get in my office and I talk and I record myself and I go back and I listen to it and I, I kind of talk things out. That's, that's how I am. There's people that, that do that. Then there's people that think after they talk. <laughs> that's really dangerous. And then there's people that just don't think at all. And that's obviously not where you want to be. So as I've been learning to deal with pride in my life, and listen, I want you to know this has been an issue for me. This has been something I've had to deal with, and it was interesting this week as I was studying this. Uh, in fact, I remember going to Sarah on Monday this week, and she was like, what are you going to be preaching on this week? And I said, I'm going to be talking about pride. And she said, oh, you'll be really good at that. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but she's, here's the thing. Part of, I think, what she was saying there, at least I'm trying to believe the best here, is I've seen you deal with this in your life. But, and, and I have, I've, I've, I've dealt with this in my life, but I've also learned this week that I still got a long way to go. I'm still learning a lot about how to deal with this. And so at one point in my life, I was working on this. And one of the things I recognized, and Sarah helped me recognize this, is that I talk too much. And we get out with some people and I would just dominate the conversation sometimes. And so as I recognized this, I said, okay, well, help me out. When I'm talking too much, you know, give me a look. You guys know what I'm talking about? You get that look? Give me a look or, or give me a little nudge or, you know, maybe kick me lightly, kick me under the table. Unless I don't listen, then you could kick me a little bit harder. And my shins were black and blue for about six months, people, because I talk too much. And, and here's the thing. I, I, I'm not thinking this intentionally, but here's, here's what I'm thinking. If I'm talking too much, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm thinking. I have more to say than I need to hear. What I have to say is more important than what you have to say. And so if that's you today, maybe you, like me, need to work on your pride a little bit, all right? Uh, here, here's another thing. Do you brag a lot? Like, and, and, none of, and so none of us would be like, yeah, I brag a lot. Yeah, totally, dude. I brag all the time. Like, that's my, no, we don't. But are you the kind of person that when somebody says something positive, you kind of, there's something in you that's like, well, I have to tell them about this positive thing in my life. Like, I can't just hear po- something good from somebody else. I have to tell them about something good, too. That, that's bragging, Okay. And that's prideful. And know this about, about pride. In fact, if you're taking notes, write this down this morning. Uh, pride always has to have a voice. Pride always has to have a voice. Pride cannot not be heard. Pride wants to be heard. Pride needs to be heard. It's, it, and so if that's you, if you have to be heard, if you have, you have to give your opinion, you have to chime in, you have to add something to the conversation all the time, then maybe you are uh, dealing with pride. Here, here's another one. Do you interrupt people when they're talking? 
Somebody's talking about halfway through the conversation, something pops into your head and you're like, oh man, I gotta tell them this. And it's like, you're just waiting for that moment right there. And you know they're not quite done, but you're just looking for the break. Let me jump in there. If you interrupt people, maybe you have, in fact, okay, so I'm gonna tell myself again. This week I came home on Wednesday and I was talking to Sarah about some of these things, this, this part of the message, about some of the things that we do sometimes that kind of point to us having problems with pride. And I shared some of these with her that I could remember off the top of my head. And then she started talking. And as she was talking, I remembered in my head that interrupting was one of the things. And so she's talking and I go, oh yeah, I got another one. Uh, and when you interrupt people, when they're talking, that's another sign of pride in your life, which I just did to you. So, yeah, uh, if you're interrupting people, so, so here's what it says. If, I'm ta- if you're talking and I'm interrupting, again, I don't really care what you have to say. I need to be heard more than I want to listen right now. Here's, here's one for you. Do you have a hard time apologizing? Is it hard for you to say, I'm sorry? Some of you older people got that little line there. But is that hard for you? Like, even when you know you're wrong, it's still hard for you to say you're sorry. It's hard for you to apologize. If so, you may have a problem um, with pride. Here's one. Do you always have advice for other people? Here's another one. Do you ever ask for advice? Like, you all, you're, you're happy to give it, but you never go to the people in your life that you should be going to asking for advice. You never go to them and actually ask for advice on what to do, how to do stuff. If you, if you are that way, you probably have a problem with pride. Do you take things really personally? Like somebody says something to you and you find yourself like reading into it and going down, you know, worst case scenario road with it, what they might, how they might be perceiving me. I can't believe they would say that about me. My pants look nice. What, did they not look nice last week? So, if that's you, you may have a problem with pride. Okay, so, so here's the deal. God hates pride. Now, remember, God hates pride because God loves us, right? You've got to remember that this morning. He hates pride because he loves us. And here's the reason why he hates pride, because it hurts you. Pride hurts you. In fact, if you're, if you're taking notes, here's point number two. Pride hurts me. Pride hurts me. God hates pride because God loves me. In fact, let's say that together. Say, God hates pride, God hates pride. because God loves me. Say it again one more time. God hates pride because God loves me. I want you to remember that this morning. Proverbs 6 says this. We read it earlier. It said, a proud look is an abomination to God. Now, when it talks about a proud look here, it's not talking about like, you know, like a look. It's talking about, it's not an expression on the face. It's actually a position of the heart. And it's a position of the heart that says, I I don't need you. I got this. I, I can do this on my own. God hates that. Because he knows what that leads to. He knows the kind of pain that that's going to bring to our life. In fact, this is the position that God takes when he sees a proud person. James 4 verse 6 says, God resists the proud. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives unmerited, undeserved favor to humble people, but he resists the proud. Now that word resist there means a full frontal resistance. It means he sets himself in a battle formation against someone who's walking in pride. Like God is full on against pride. Now, when, when you read that, you kind of think, why is God so, you know, like why does he hate arrogant people so much? 
Well, it's not that. It's not that God is like, he doesn't like cocky people. He doesn't like arrogant people. He just has a problem with pride. It's that God knows what pride leads to. God knows the kind of destruction and the kind of pain and the kind of hurt that will be produced in your life if you continue to walk in pride. And so that's what he hates. Proverbs uh, 16 verse 18 says this, pride goes before destruction. Everybody say destruction. Pride leads to destruction. And it goes on to say a haughty or haughty is another, it's not like that girl looks good, she's a haughty. It's not that. A haughty is like an arrogant Uh, an arrogant spirit or arrogant is also prideful a haughty arrogant spirit before a fall pride hurts me now um, write this down too pride is blinding pride is blinding this week as I was as I was studying this I've studied pride for for years because it was such an issue for me at one point in my life but this week I really felt the Holy Spirit kind of speaking to me and 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 telling me to look at um, the correlation between blindness and pride in the Bible. And it was really interesting to discover how often pride and blindness are associated with each other, with each other in Scripture. Here, I'll give you a couple case in points. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. And he talks about how they are, they are full of pride. They're proud people. And that's verses 5 through, through 7 there. And then in verse 15, same, same chapter, Matthew 23, verse 15 through 19, about the same Pharisees, he says they are blind guides, they are blind fools, and they are just plain blind. So, so Jesus, the Son of God, who is God, associates pri- proud people with blind people. Uh, the, the Greek word for pride that's often translated in the New Testament is the word tufo-o, tufo-o. And here's what it means. It means blind, but it's not just blind. It means um, it means wrapped up in smoke or in fog. Wrapped up in smoke or in fog. Okay, so it's kind of like, imagine this. Let me give you, kind of illustrate this a little bit. Imagine that someone you loved, maybe it's your, you know, your wife, your spouse, your husband, your, uh, a, f- a really good friend, one of your children, somebody you really care about. Imagine if you saw them and they're walking down a road and they had this fog around them. You know, kind of imagine like, pig pen from Charlie Brown, but much thicker, like this, this smoke that's kind of around just their head. Let's just say it's around their head, okay? And so you see them walking, and they're walking with this, and, and they can't really see where they're going because this, this fog is kind of blocking them from view. So you can see, though, and you see that down the road is a cliff edge, and they are walking straight forward. The road that they're on is leading them to fall off that cliff. What are you going to do? Remember, this is someone that you love. What are you going to do? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get in between them and the cliff, and I'm going to resist them. I'm going to set myself in a battle position between them and the fall to keep them and to resist them and to push back on them because I don't want them to fall. I don't want them to experience that disaster. See, in the same way, God hates pride because pride hurts people. And, and, and a prideful spirit leads to a fall. So why does God resist the proud? Because he knows what it's going to lead to, and he loves us. And he doesn't want to see us hurt. So since God loves us, he hates pride. So God hates pride. Pride hurts me. Here's number three. Pride opens the door for Satan. Pride opens the door for Satan in our life. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 5. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility. Notice that statement there, clothed in humility. I'm noticing something this morning. Everybody came to church with clothes on. Good job, everybody. That's a good start, right? We're going to have a good Sunday if nobody shows up naked to church right there. 
And so you all came to church. Now, here's a question for you. When you got up this morning, did your clothes just jump onto you? No, they did not. Um, you had to get up and you had to make a choice. You had to choose your clothes and then you had to, to put them on. We know this to be true. Women, how many of you tried on multiple outfits this morning before church? I'm not looking at anyone in the room right now. Saturday night for us is like 30 minutes of Sarah coming out frustrated in outfits every week. Like trying things on, trying to put together something, and yeah, it's awesome. Uh, but it doesn't just happen. Like, I wish it would. I'm sure she wishes it would. I'm sure she wishes there was some magic angel that would just go, here you go, perfect outfit for you. But it doesn't happen that way. We have to go and we have to choose. Now, when the Bible talks about being clothed in something, anytime it talks about that, here's what it's saying. It's not natural. Walking in humility is not a natural thing for us. Uh, it, it's unnatural for us to do that. So it's something that we have to choose and then we have to put it on. We have to make a choice to do that. It goes on to say this. It says, for God resists the proud. This is a different verse, but look what happens. It says the exact same thing. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's two times in the New Testament, the exact same thing is said. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Now look at this, verse 8. Be sober be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So this verse tells us that we need to clothe ourselves in humility. We need to come under the mighty hand of God. That, that speaks to the protection of God. We need to draw close to him. And when we do that, we can, we can position ourselves in such a way that we're protected against the enemy who's seeking whom he may devour. Now, when I read that verse, I, I remember being in elementary school and going up to my teacher and saying, can I go to the bathroom? And my teacher would say, I don't know, can you? Anybody relate to this? And I didn't know what to say. I looked at her like, what are you doing to me right now, woman? Can I go to the restroom? I got to go. I don't know. Can you? And then all of a sudden, oh yeah, I'm saying this wrong. May I go to the restroom? Yes, you may. And then I scurry down to the restroom. So there's a difference between the two. Can speaks to an ability. May speaks to uh, being given permission. And so notice that the devil is seeking who's going to give him permission now, none of us would just intentionally give him permission, right? Like, none of us are, like, saying, hey, come on in, devil, let's do this thing. No, we don't do that. But very often, we unintentionally open up the doors and the windows of our life to the enemy, and, and pride is one of the ways we do this. God wants to protect us. He wants to keep us safe, but, but sometimes we don't position him in such a way that he can we leave the doors and windows open. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine in your neighborhood, you found out that there was a thief in your neighborhood. And like not a guy that like, you know, 10 years ago, he, he, he stole some stuff. Like a guy who actively like is getting arrested on a regular basis because he's breaking into houses and stealing. And this guy lives in your neighborhood. How many of you are going to leave your doors and windows open and, and just, you know, kind of case or raw, whatever happens will happen? How many of you would do that? None of you right? You're going to lock those doors. You're going to lock, shut those windows. You're probably going to have deadbolts and security system and stuff to help protect you. In the same way, God wants to protect you and he offers that for you. But, but oftentimes we do things like we, we walk in pride and we, we don't realize this, but we come out from the protection of God and we open up the windows and doors of our heart and our mind and we put ourselves in a place where the enemy can come in and do what he wants to do. The Bible says that the devil is a thief. He is a known thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And it says he's seeking who he can devour, whom he may devour. So he's looking for people that will give him permission. And when we walk in pride, that's what we're doing. We're giving him permission. The Bible says this. Jesus said this in Matthew 23, verse 37. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But look at this. But you wouldn't let me. So here's the idea here that that God wants to protect us. And when we walk in humility, we're able to come under his wing. We're able to come under his mighty hand of protection. And he's able to watch over us. But listen, when when we step out in pride, the moment we do that, we step out in pride, we step out from under the protection of God. And in that moment, the devil who's seeking whom he may devour rises up and he comes at us and he attacks us with everything he has. So Satan looks for this open door. So we gotta close that door. We gotta make sure we keep that door closed. Pride opens the door for Satan. God hates pride because God loves you. God hates pride because pride hurts you. God hates pride because pride opens the door for Satan. So, so how do we deal with pride? How do, we, how do we walk in humility? How do we become humble people? What do we do? All right, let's go back to James chapter four. Verse six through 10 says this. It says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now look at this. Therefore, or in other words, because you know that, because you know God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great verse? If we draw near to God, he draws near to us. That means if we take a step towards God, he takes a step towards you. And listen, he takes big steps. So draw near to him, he draws near to you. Look at this, verse 10. Humble yourselves. Notice, we do it. We humble ourselves. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So how do we walk in humility? How do we deal with pride? Number four, you've got to humble yourself. So that's like you're kind of going, okay, well, wait, I need to be humble, so I need to humble my, like what does that mean? Well, I'm, I'll explain that in a minute. But what we look at, what we see here is that submitting to God and drawing near to God helps us to humble ourselves to God. And receive from God. See, when you, when you submit to God, when you draw near to God, you are actively in resistance to Satan. You're resisting the devil by, by drawing near to God, by humbling yourself, going after God. And so this is the position that we, we need to take with our life. So how do we do this? Because we want to be protected. We don't want to step out from under the protection of God. We don't want to walk in pride. We don't want to be open target to the enemy. So how do we do this? Two things I want to show you this morning. Number one is this, pray. Pray. We got to Pray. Because, uh, because prayer is humility and prayerlessness is pride. Prayerlessness is pride. I heard a quote one time that said, a day without prayer is a boast against God. That's a really great statement worth writing down. See, when, when we don't pray, here's what we're saying. God, I got this. I can take care of this on my own. I don't, I don't need you. It, when you. If you're not praying over your, uh, your finances today, what you're saying to God, whether you realize it or not, is you're saying, God, I got this. I don't, I don't need you in my finances. I can take care of this on my own. If you're not praying over your relationships, over your marriage, over the raising of your kids, here's what you're saying. God, I got this. I can take care of this on my own. I don't, I don't need you in that area of my life. I, I got this. If you're not praying over the direction of your life, where you're going, and you're saying to God, God, I don't need your direction. I don't need you in that area of my life. I got this. I can do this on my own. And listen, you don't got this, okay? We, we don't got this. We, we need God in our life. We need his help. We need his direction. We need his leading. When I pray, I make a powerful statement. 
Prayer says, God, I recognize that I can't do this on my own. And I'm not going to try. See, God offers us help. You realize that, right? He wants to be a part of your life. And prayer is where you invite him in. Prayer is where you welcome him in. Prayer is where you humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I'm submitting myself to you and saying, I need you. Come, be a part of my life. Lead me and direct me. But when I don't pray, I'm making a powerful statement as well. I'm saying, I got this. I don't need you. But we don't. We don't got this. See, the Bible talks about people, us Christians, as being sheep. One of the most used analogies in the scripture is the analogy in both the Old and New Testament of God being the shepherd and us being the sheep. We've talked about this before here at New Song. And the thing about sheep is sheep without a shepherd are in big trouble because sheep have three major issues that they are dealing with. Number one is sheep can't navigate. They can't navigate. Sheep uh, can't carry burdens and sheep can't protect themselves. Sheep cannot navigate. Uh, you'll, you'll never hear of a homing sheep. It's not something a sheep can do. If a sheep is lost, it can, it can never find its way back home. It does not have the ability to find its way back home. It's not in a sheep to find its way back home. If it's lost, it is truly lost. Sheep cannot navigate. Sheep can't carry burdens. You'll never hear of a pack sheep. They don't have that ability. If you put a load onto a sheep, because the way a sheep is built with the kind of a bigger upper body and really skinny legs and tiny little hooves, you put a load on their back and they fall over, they can never get back up. They weren't designed to carry burdens and sheep can't protect themselves. You'll never hear of an attack sheep. You'll never read about somebody being mauled by a sheep. (laughs) Sheep without a shepherd are in big trouble. And listen, when God looks at us, he sees people who were not designed to carry the burdens of life, to protect themselves, and to navigate their way through life on their own. And so what prayer says is, God, I recognize that. I recognize I can't do this on my own. I need you. I can't, I can't find my way through life without you, God. I need you. I need your direction. I need your leading. God, I, I can't protect myself. I can try. I can put up a lot of earthly things to try to protect myself, but ultimately you're the one. You're my protector. You're the one I look to. I I can't carry these burdens, God. I'm going to cast my cares on you because you didn't design me to carry these things. You designed me to hand these things over to you. That's how God created us. We are sheep and we need a shepherd. Prayer says, uh, I need you, Lord. Prayerlessness says, I got this. And that's full of pride. When we pray, we kill pride in our life. Here's the second thing that you need in order to walk in humility to be humble and to squash pride in your life. You need to, number two, or second thing under um, this fourth point here is you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. Because listen, uh, all pride is rooted in insecurity. What's funny is the whole thing with pride is it puts off this vibe like that ain't the case, right? People would have never known in my life how insecure I was. But what we do is we have these areas of our life where we feel insecure, we feel inadequate, and so we build up these walls around us of protection and we try to walk in this confidence that says, I got this. And the reality is it's all just a mask. And if you remove the mask, what you're gonna find is a very very afraid, scared, insecure person who's looking for acceptance. And and pride is, is rooted in this insecurity. And so we gotta deal with it. And that's why, you know, that's why we're doing our thing for freedom that's coming up. It's because there's a lot of you that probably have some issues in your life 
that maybe in your past, things that happened in your childhood, things that happened growing up in junior high and high school, things that have happened in broken relationships, whatever, areas of our life where we've allowed the enemy to come in and, and kind of create these lies and build these walls into our, our worlds where we're believing and we've got this insecurity in us that's driving us and we don't even recognize it, we don't even know it. For years, I didn't know insecurity was my problem. I thought pride was my problem. But my pride was rooted in my insecurity. When I dealt with the root, I was able to deal with the fruit. That's what for freedom is all about. I want to encourage you, make sure you are here. I promise you, there's some of you in this room, you have, you have fruit in your life that you don't like, and this night you're going to deal with the root that's going to bring freedom that you need. So make sure you're here. But one of the things we have to recognize is who we are in Jesus Christ. When we understand our identity in Jesus, it changes the way we walk in this world. It changes the way we, we relate to other people. There's a story in the Bible in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 4. It says right at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and Jesus has just been water baptized, and now he's going out to, to kind of begin his ministry. But before he does that, the Holy Spirit leads him to the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days. And while he's fasting, he gets tempted uh, by Satan. Satan comes to him and tries to tempt him to try to, to thwart God's plan for him before it ever happens. So Matthew chapter 4, starting verse 1, it says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. <laughs> I love that. It's, it's like the, the most duh verse in the Bible, I think. <laughs> 40 days, no food? He was hungry. Yeah, that'll do that to you. Verse 3, now when the tempter came to him, it's talking about the devil, Satan. He said, look at what he says. If you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, you got your Bible, highlight that. If you are the son of God, Command these stones to become bread. And then, and then Satan comes back. He keeps going. If you read the story, it goes on to him talking about these three different temptations he brings to Jesus. Jesus overcomes every temptation by using the word of God, combating the temptations with the word of God. But I want you to notice where Satan started. The first statement he said to him is, if you are the son of God. What is he speaking to? His identity, who he is which is very gutsy of the devil to do with the Son of God, right? And notice, if you read this story, you go on to read it, you'll notice that Jesus never even answers that question, never even speaks to it. Like, there's no moment when Jesus is like, I am too the Son of God, or not, am too, or not, am too, or not. No, that never happens. Jesus doesn't even validate that question as being a question. He doesn't even speak into it. Why? Because he was so secure in who he was that wasn't even an issue to him. Jesus was completely humble. He was so humble, he was willing to do things that sometimes me and you struggle with. Washing, washing his disciples' feet, bowing down, like doing some of the things that Jesus did as the Son of God, we have a hard time doing. Why was he able to do it? Because he knew who he was. He was secure. He understood, I am a child of the most powerful being in existence. I'm his son. And so I don't care what anybody has to say. That's who I am. And he lived from that, that identity. And if we're going to walk in the humility that God's called us to walk in, we have to recognize that. And I think there's two things that we need to recognize that help us to walk in humility and deal with pride. Two things is this. Number one is understanding that I'm a child of God deals with my insecurity. When I understand that I'm a child of God, that helps me deal with the insecurity of life. Here's the second thing. Remembering who I was before Jesus 
helps me deal with my pride. I know who I am because of Jesus, but I also know who I am without him. I recognize everything I have is through him. And that helps me to walk in humility and to squash pride. Let me, let me illustrate what I'm talking about. I want you to imagine with me this morning a kingdom in like old medieval times, okay? And there's this big, uh, big village and it's got a castle in it. It's one of these old-timey villages with like the moat around it and the drawbridge and the castle and all that. And in this castle is uh, this is a giant, huge, powerful-looking castle. And in this castle is a king who rules and reigns, and he's a good king. And, and in this castle, too, is a prince. And so one day, the prince is looking out his window, and he sees this little maiden walk by. And she's just a little pauper maiden. She's poor. And he sees her, and when he sees her, he just, he just loves her. He sees her, he doesn't even know her, but he just, he just loves her. And he just, he, he wants to have her. He wants to have a relationship with her. But there's a problem. He's the prince and she's a, she's a pauper. She's, and she's not just a pauper, she's a poor orphan pauper. She's got nothing. So the prince comes up with a plan and he decides he's going to lay down everything he has as a prince, all the power, all the prestige, everything that he has in his kingdom. He's going to lay all that down and he's going to come and become just a regular person. Just a, He's going to become himself a pauper like her, a villager. And he spends years working to kind of build his new personality and persona in this kingdom. And he works to kind of get himself to this place where he's received. And then he starts working on a relationship with this girl, trying to win her affection, to win her love. And eventually he does. She falls in love with, with him. So he proposes to her. He asks her to marry him. She says, yes, they get married. And after they get married, he gives her some news. He said, listen, you didn't know this, but I'm actually the prince. And I want to bring you home to your new, your new home and your new life. And he brings her into the castle and he, he lets her know, like, because you're married to me now, this is all yours. You have all of this kingdom belongs to you. And all this power and this prestige, all of this is yours now. You get to rule and reign here with me in this new life. Pretty cool, huh? Now, for that princess, let me ask you something, who was once a pauper. How does she deal with insecurity and pride in her life? How does she overcome insecurity? She overcomes insecurity because she knows she is a princess. And she knows that her husband really loves her because of what he was willing to sacrifice in order to win her heart and to win her love. And so recognizing the price that was paid for her that she didn't deserve helps her to deal with insecurity. She sees the value that was placed on her. How does she deal with pride? She doesn't forget where she came from. She remembers that she, was, she doesn't deserve any of this. It was given to her by the love of her husband. That all the prestige, all the power, everything she has is a free gift that was given to her by the love of her husband. I think for us, when we understand who we are in Jesus Christ, listen, we are children of God. If you've invited Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you become a child of God. And just like that princess, you were adopted into the family of God and you were given power and prestige and position in the family of God. The Bible says you are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places above the things of this earth. That's your reality today. And us recognizing that helps us to deal with insecurity. When the enemy comes at us and he says, if you are the son of God, if you are a daughter of God, we go, 
We don't even have to answer it. It's like, that's a stupid question. Of course I am. That's who I am. That's my inheritance in Jesus Christ. And then when pride tries to rise up in our life, we remember, but it ain't by my doing. It's by the grace of God. Jesus chose me. While I was yet a sinner at my absolute worst, Jesus chose me. Isn't that good news? This is how we deal with pride. God hates pride because he loves you. He knows pride hurts you. Pride opens the door for Satan. So we gotta humble ourselves. We need to be people of prayer and we need to be people who constantly are reminding ourselves of who we are in Jesus Christ. We need to know our identity. Remember, we started this series talking, off, talking about the big relationship that Jesus came to fix. God hates pride because pride hurts that relationship. He doesn't want you walking in pride because pride separates you from him. It drives a wedge in between you. He hates pride because he loves you. He loves you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? If you're new to New Song Church, here's another way of saying that. What do you feel like God is saying to you right now? If you're new to church as a whole, here's another way of saying that. What are you thinking right now? Because that's how God talks to us. He talks to us in our thoughts. Sometimes we just think it's our thoughts, but it's really God talking to you. And maybe you're here right now, and I don't know about you, but I just sense the love of God in this room. I just sense God's love for us. Isn't it cool how we can start off talking about something like pride and we can end up in this place where we just are embracing the love of God. I want you to know this morning, God loves you. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what kind of mistakes you have made in your life. God loves you. You may be a pauper, but the prince says, I love you, and he wants you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if you're here today and you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you, you just don't know where you stand with Jesus today. You don't know if you were to die tomorrow, where you would go, if you would go to heaven or if you'd go to hell. You're not really sure where you are. I want you to know you don't have to leave that way. God wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are right with him. It's a real simple thing. All you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says you will be saved and you become new. God gives you a brand new spirit. So that's you today. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've, maybe you've even been a part of a church service where they asked you to raise up your hand and you know, make Jesus your Savior. And you did, you did that, but you never really, nothing changed. You never really changed your life. There was no kind of transformation that took place and you're just unsure. I, I wanna pray with you. I want you to know this today. So if that's you today, every head bowed, every head closed, nobody looking around. If you're here today and you'd like to know beyond a shadow of doubt that you're right with God, if that's you today, would you lift up your hand all around the room? Maybe you were close to God at one point, but you've drifted away from him. Would you lift up your hand if that's you today? I know there's somebody in here. I know there's somebody in here. Lift up your hand. Don't be shy. God loves you. All right, we're gonna pray this prayer together. Everybody pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins for seeing me at my worst and loving me. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead so that I could be raised with you. Thank you for forgiving me. I surrender my life to you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. If you're here today and you have any need of prayer, we would love to pray for you this morning. Uh, these people are down here this morning because we believe as a church that there's always stuff going on in our lives. There's always things that we're dealing with. And the Bible is really clear in the book of Acts. We see God, we see people in the church when the church was built, laying hands on each other, praying for each other. And that's why we do this every week. We would love to pray for you. We would love to join our faith with your faith in whatever it is that you may be dealing with. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with some frustration with your children. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with some frustration with with a job. Maybe you're here today and you just need an answer and you can't seem to get clarity on, on, on something going on. Maybe there's someone in your family that's lost or away from God and you want to pray for them today. Uh, maybe you're here today and you have sickness in your body and you need health, you need healing. God wants to provide that for you. The, the finished work of the cross was a complete work, meaning it covers every aspect of your life. Wherever you are today, God wants to bring freedom to you. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with a sin, you're struggling with an addiction, drug addiction, pornography addiction, whatever it may be, we would love to pray for you this morning. Don't leave with a burden. Don't do that. Cast your cares. Don't be prideful. Don't walk out of here saying, I can do this, I got this. Come up here and pray with these people and allow your faith to be joined with theirs. And listen, that step of faith empowers God to work on your behalf. It helps you to come under his wing so he can bless you this morning. So if that's you here in just a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come down. Everyone, would you stand with me this morning? We're gonna go back into a worship song here for just a moment. And and during this time, if, if that's you today, you have a need of prayer, you can come down and pray with these guys. I promise they're not gonna do anything weird. They're not gonna try to knock you over, none of that stuff. They just simply want to pray with you and join their faith with you and love you in a, in a Christ-like manner today. So we're gonna go into this worship song and worship God. But if you need prayer, I wanna invite you to come down. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you that we serve a God who loves us so much. We're grateful for your love. We thank you that you would shower your love on us. Help us, God, to walk in humility. Help us to clothe ourselves in humility. Help us to lay down pride. Help us to connect with you in prayer. Help us to recognize who we are in you, Jesus Christ. And I pray that everyone in here who has a need would be drawn to your altars in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, Go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.